Welcome to the Sales Lead Dog Podcast, hosted by CRM technology and sales process expert, Christopher Smith, talking with sales leaders that have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Listen to find out how the best of the best achieve success with their team and CRM technology. And remember, unless you are the lead dog, the view never changes. Welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Today, I have joining me Paul Steinmetz. Paul is the National Sales Manager, Meetings and Events for Travel Leaders Corporate. Paul, welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Thanks, Chris. Real pleasure to join you today. Paul, tell me about your current role in, in uh, Travel Leaders Corporate. Absolutely. Uh, so Travel Leaders Corporate uh, is a very large company owned uh, by a parent company, Internova Travel Group. Uh, with about 12 subdivisions. Travel Leaders Corporate specializes in uh, corporate travel group air, as well as strategic meetings management. And so I'm on the meetings and events side and have been working in that space for the last eight years. Um, and so incentive travel and large expos and corporate meetings, uh, full service, third party. So everything from the planning, site selection, sourcing, uh, negotiation of, of the, the room block, et cetera, all the way through pre-planning and on-site staffing, AV production, really uh, soup to nuts on the meetings and events side. Yeah, if anyone's ever been involved in that, the amount of logistics and work that goes into pulling off a big event is mind-boggling. It's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, so to have a partner like you guys, that that's a game changer. That's awesome. Yeah, and thankfully, we're starting to see the live meetings and events business uh, come back very strongly uh, in this first quarter, and, and we're very bullish on, on Q2 and Q3 as well. Oh, so that's awesome. That's, that's really been great to see. I'm sure we, we're all sick uh, of and having some Zoom fatigue, although it's great to join you here on Zoom today. Um, yeah. I, I know, you know most of our clients are really chomping at the bit to, to get back in person and meet with each other. Well, I tell you, I've been, uh, I mean, like everyone else, we've been virtual for two years now, and, and uh, um, it is getting old. And uh, uh, we cherish those moments when we can actually sit across the table from someone. It's it's nice. Absolutely. I used to hate and it. It's, changed, like, oh, it's changed the game. And, you know, I'm happy to, to speak a little bit about that today, but it's really changed the sales process and, and being able yeah. to to close deals sitting at your at your house in front of your computer and have these meetings and, and close large yeah. deals without ever really having an in-person or having to get on a plane. It's uh, it's, it's been uh, interesting, to say the least. Yeah. And the cool thing is you only have to look nice from the waist up. That's it. You could be wearing a pair of shorts or whatever. No one's no going to one know. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll stay seated. I'll keep you in mystery. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'll do the same. I'll pass it along. So, Paul, um, think of back over your career because you've done a lot of different things. Um, what are the three things that have really driven and led to your success? Yeah, thanks. I've, uh, I've, I've definitely had um, a charmed uh, career path, um, thankfully. The three things that have really, you know, led to my success throughout, I would say, you know, a, a true curiosity and hunger for knowledge and, and really being interested in whether that's speaking with a client and being interested about their business or, you know, them personally or the challenges that they're facing, um, but really having a genuine um, curiosity, um, persistence in, in sales, um, but a very professional persistence. I think there's a a fine line between being a pain in the ass and being really persistent and effective as a salesperson. Uh, and it's, it's a bit of a tightrope act. Um, and so being able to do that successfully has, uh, has been a, a big part of my success. Um, and 
I would say, you know, really, <laughs> I think persistence, 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 really just being yeah. able to, um, to go after uh, deals that, that may not close right away, but stay in contact and build those yeah. relationships. So, yeah. you know, more so than persistence, but relationship building. And again, I think that ties into having a genuine curiosity and, and, and you know, sales is really a relationship game and people um, do, you know, buy from right. people they want to, you know, they like and they trust. And so it's right. building that rapport and that, and that relationship has, has really been instrumental. What, men, what role is mentorship played in your career? Have you had any great mentors? <laughs> I was talking about this this afternoon. Um, I've had some very good coaches throughout and recently had a, 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 a very good sales coach. And they've, they've all provided interesting strategies here and there. Um, I never looked at them as mentors. I, you know, looking back now, maybe I could say, okay, well, they serve that mentorship role. Um, ironically, I found that I learned more from people who were doing it wrong and bad leaders who would throw temper tantrums. And I've worked, I've worked for the worst of the worst. I mean, I've had some, some, some great bosses, but I've worked for some crazy people who threw furniture and yelled and screamed and oh um, thought that was the way to, to, you know, man, lead your team and get your troops riled up. And I've worked in sales rooms where it was really, um, a rah-rah kind of cheer, you know, before the, the day started and, and, and getting everyone really pumped up. Um, and I think that's a bit old school. And, and nowadays it's really building relationships, being empathetic to your team, leading really, you know, leading by example, holding their hand and, and walking them along rather than pushing them forward. Um, it, it's a bit different than when I started my career where I, I worked for a guy who, you know, the sales training consisted of watching Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. And he's like, all right, we'll always be closing and attention, you know, and it was like, well, you know, it's a great movie. Don't get me wrong. I love Pacino as much as the next guy. Um, but that's, that's not selling in today's world. I mean, it's, it's fun to joke about, but that, that's just not the, the current sales environment that we live in. How'd you get your start in sales? So I've been telling the story wrong for the last 20 years. I, uh, you know, in working in meetings and events um, and being in South Florida, my, what I thought was my first job was at the Breakers Hotel, very famous resort here in Palm Beach. And right when I got my, my driver's license, that was the, the first job that I remembered. My father pointed out to me a few weeks ago that my first job was actually in sales uh, at Fitness Today, selling gym memberships. When I was 14, I actually rode my bike and I had completely blocked that out of my memory for some reason. But yeah, my very first job at 14 was, was selling gym memberships, um, worked in the meetings and event space right out of college, um, got involved uh, with some colleagues and started a, a magazine that did very well and um, then moved into the music industry of all things and was working on international destination music festival, spearheading a sales and travel team. I had 10 sales agents. We were managing about 15,000 individual reservations for five different music festivals. They would take place uh, on cruise ships. We would fully charter cruise ships and we would fully charter uh, all-inclusive resorts in Mexico and Jamaica and the Dominican Republic. And so um, that was an interesting experience, both in from the sales side, just dealing with all kinds of, of interesting situations, both uh, pre-event, on-site, um, wearing many, many different hats, um, but being a part of something really special 
and very large events, multi-million dollar events um, that were you know, very large scale music festivals. Uh, and then, uh, which was uh, an amazing job, I actually uh, met my wife on the beach in Jamaica at my very first event and uh, have my two beautiful daughters as a, as a result of that job. So I always say that was the best job I ever had because it really changed my life in, in the most profound way. Um, but then having children and, and working in the music industry really don't go well together. Um, so I got started on the meetings and events side, which is where I began my career. Um, and uh, for the last six years, I've been working uh, pharmaceutical meetings, large expos, um, and most recently with travel leaders, um, building out their meetings and events side. Yeah. What's the worst sales job you ever had? I, I <laughs> Ironically, the worst one, it, you know, looking back at it now may have been the best one. At the time, um, I was in between jobs and I started working at a, a call center. It was inbound calls, um, but it was they were running 24 hour shifts. It taught me how to sell. At the time, it, I was working weird hours. Um, it, it, it wasn't a scam, but it just did, it didn't feel right. Um, it, it turns out there were like three or four other companies in that same space that were running a scam out of India and stealing people's data. Uh, the firm I was with wasn't doing that. But when the FTC raided uh, those companies, they didn't really care who was doing what. They assumed everyone. So I had probably the best month uh, working there. And my paycheck, when it was right, I remember right before Christmas, paycheck goes into my account and then it gets immediately removed because their assets were seized. Right. So horrible job. I, I was I was kicking butt. I, but the training was great. I really they taught you how to sell on the phone, how to ask better questions, how to use the tone of your voice, how to mimic really, you know, honed my my phone sales tremendously. Horrible experience. Um, about a year and a half, maybe a year later, uh, the court case, they, they got proven innocent and my check went through. So it was like pennies from heaven out of the blue. I get this this check that, you know, I, th I had written off a year ago. So it, it ended a, as a, a happy story. And thankfully, nobody, you know, they weren't doing anything wrong, but it, they got caught up in it. Yeah. But at the time, it was just a, a horrible, uh, you know, just kind of dreaded going to work and dealing with it. But looking back, I am so much better talking on the phone and and, and that's, you know, or Zoom, um, but have, knowing how to ask open-ended questions naturally, knowing how to let the client talk, right? And a lot of times salespeople just talk too much, talk past the close, talk, talk, talk. Um, and it's oftentimes, I think, a sign of nervousness or, or lack of confidence, but being able to just let your client talk and absorb it and take good notes and ask relevant questions that are genuinely trying to solve their problem. If your end goal is I'm just trying to make a quick buck and all and my focus is on the commission and I don't, you know, give a crap if it moves to ops and they have a horrible experience, I just want to close it and close it, you know, quick, then it's it's not going to be successful. But if you take a genuine concern and curiosity, um, people pick up on that. They want to do business with people who, who want to help them. What advice do you have someone who's just starting out in a sales career? Yeah. So again, I think, you know, persistence is huge, not taking anything. Sales is rejection. And anybody who tells you different isn't in sales. Um, it's being able to know that every no you get, you're that much closer to a yes. And, and, and really believe that because you can hear it and you can say it. But if you don't believe it in your heart, 
it, it takes a lot to keep getting punched in the face and getting back up and, and keep going down and getting back up. But the ones who are able to do it are successful. Um, and it's, it truly is a numbers game. And obviously, if you're selling a great product at a great price um, that everybody wants, you know, it makes it a lot easier. But regardless of what you're selling, I think um, know your product really um, is if you're if you're working somewhere and you don't believe in your product genuinely, or you have a lot of doubts or concerns about it, you should probably find something else to sell. Um, if you can't really, you know, be an evangelist for your product from a, from a place of, of honesty, um, people pick up on that. And I think you have to really believe in what you're selling. It certainly helps. And, you know, if you want to sell used cars and you don't really care, then, you know, but I, I think the people that are tuning into your podcast are, are you know, professional salespeople that are looking to, to further their career. And I think there's a lot of opportunities right now. If you're not working in an industry you're passionate about, um, find, you know, if you don't know what you're passionate about, I find that's a big thing for junior people. It's like, well, what, you know, what do you want to do? That's a, it is a daunting question. I remember kind of sitting down with that one. Um, I would say write a list, pros and cons. What am I good at? What do I like? You know, as, as silly as it is. Okay, well, you know, I like video games. Okay, well, there's a hell of a lot of sales roles at uh, EA Sports and all these other companies and PlayStation. And this. So if that's really what you're interested in or whatever it is, um, you may have to start, you know, at a junior position, but there's certain, you know, to be working in something completely, you know, opposite of that, that you're miserable going in, into work. And I think we're seeing that in the workplace right now with what's being called the great resignation yeah. is that, you know, there's an opportunity that people, if they were afraid of it, now they're not afraid of it because they either got furloughed or, you know, they've been through this horrible experience that was COVID and they, they were now, we're now on the other side, we made it. So that, 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 that lack of, of knowing, right. That uncertainty that, that paralyzes so many of us doesn't exist like it did two years ago. It just doesn't. And so people who may have been in you know a mediocre job or they dreaded going to work, but it was, oh, it's paying the bills. I'm going to, you know, I'm okay. Are now having the confidence to say, wow, you know, I could be doing five, five other things that I'm, I'm interested in or passionate in. And, and I think that does make a huge difference. Yeah. What drove your decision to switch from sales to sales leadership? wasn't so much of a decision <laughs> as I was really? sort of thrust into those positions. Um, I've had several uh, jobs where I was hired initially and then moved into a, a management leadership position um, for, for a variety of reasons. I, I worked for a company uh, and we were sending technicians all over the United States. And one evening, one of the techs had, you know, an issue with their hotels. I don't feel safe staying at this hotel. And I said, well, you know, can you send me a picture of what, what it looks like, what's going on? She's like, you know, it's dangerous here. And I, I was getting ready to, and she sent me a picture of an empty parking lot at the, you know, a Hampton Inn or something. And it just didn't really make sense. I said, well, listen, you know, what you're describing to me, I don't see it. You're an adult. If, if you want to get another hotel room, then, you know, go get one and we can, you know, maybe we'll be able to pay you back for it. Maybe we won't, but if you don't feel safe, then, you know, do what you got to do. But this was probably my first week at the company. I said, but I don't have the authority to, to buy you two hotel rooms. Right. The right. CEO heard about this. Right. And he calls me into his office and, I'm like, and he goes, yeah, I want to talk to you about so-and-so. I'm like, Oh gosh, here we go. I'm going to be in big trouble. He goes, 
good for you for telling her no. I want you to manage all of the, of the, <laughs> the, the texts now. You know, so oftentimes it's not being afraid to or to, to let people push you around or to, to be in right. a position of leadership that, that you know, it wasn't my job to say yes or no. And so I didn't, I didn't you know, authorize it. And once he, yeah. he found out that he had somebody on the team who was willing to stand up for, you know, his bottom line, right. um, it, uh, it sort of thrust me into that leadership role. But, um, you know, it's been, it's been a joy throughout my career to, to mentor um, junior sales folks. Right. I can think back on, on a couple that are, are doing very, very well right now and have, you know, been kind enough to, to reach out to me and, and come back later on and, and you know, and, and thank me for some of the, the advice or, you know, occasionally we'll reach out as they're negotiating for their next position to get some, some feedback on, you know, how they should position it. And so um, th that's been really, um, it's been really great. It's very satisfying to, to be able to, to help um, colleagues who, who are, I consider friends. And so that's, you know, one of the great things throughout my career I've had Again, I've worked for some crazy people, <laughs> yeah. but in each one of those jobs, I've made uh, a work friendship that has turned into, you know, a real strong friendship. And I keep in touch uh, and I travel all around the country for work and it's great. I, I have colleagues in just about every state. So um, it's nice uh, to be able to have dinner with, with some of these old work colleagues and, and reminisce <laughs> about those days and crazy times. And <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, but, but being a mentor um, really has... Um, been rewarding and I, and I would yeah. strongly um you know recommend even for for you know people starting out if, if there's someone new that comes on board there's always somebody who knows less than you don't don't be stingy with your knowledge and, and, and your information um but also know know when to keep your mouth shut and when to to provide that information I think is is a talent nobody constantly wants to be uh <laughs> given suggestions or, right. or or mentored you know I think let people come to you uh, otherwise, it just comes off as, as a little overbearing. Um, but again, it's a, it's a tightrope act. And, and sales in general, I've, I find, is a bit of a it's kind of a high wire act. And you've got to be able to to have good footing and, and know, you know, if you know how to do it and you know the steps and you follow the steps, you get across the wire. But if you're trying to, you know, do it fly by night, oftentimes you're going to fall. Yeah. What's the toughest part about your job as a sales leader? Right now, it's being virtual. And having uh, a disconnect if I need to see, you know, speak to somebody and, you know, they're not in front of their computer, if they haven't responded back to an email, there's just, it's different than if I need you and I walk down the hall and pop into your office and the organic conversations that solve other problems. Um, you know, I, I don't so much miss water cooler conversations about Game of Thrones and that kind of stuff. Um, I, I certainly don't miss the commute, uh, the hour commute that I had each way into the office. Um, but just that ability to have that, the, the quality, um, kind of impromptu interactions that, you know, a good sales team that's, you know, you know, invaluable to be able to say, oh yeah, well, no, I know so-and-so over there. And it's, it's, it, it happens on zoom sales calls. Um, but it's a lot less organic I'm finding. Oh yeah, I miss the whiteboard sessions and being like uh, being able to stand and yep. and have that interactivity and in uh, collaboration. Um, that's something I really miss. Um, yeah, absolutely. But the flip side to that again is that we're able to use this technology yep. and have a meeting thousands of miles apart that feels like we're having an in-person meeting. It's not going to replace it. 
Um, but I have been able to close more deals over Zoom this year from my house than I probably did in 2019, traveling all over the country. Now, I developed a lot more new relationships, um, certainly had a, a lot of great you know, dinners and, and some wonderful wine and, and good experiences um, and closed deals doing that. But I was completely surprised at how quickly everybody adapted to this new virtual uh, Zoom world that we're living in. Not, not only for large meetings and events, because obviously th those have to happen and it was sort of happening before COVID. Um, but, and certainly video conferencing was happening before COVID, but being able to close large deals over a video conference um, was new. And, I, and we're now getting back to getting in person, um, which is nice to see. But it was a bit of a surprise to me to see just how effective um, that the video conferencing could be. Yeah. So you're fairly new in your current role. You've only been there a few months. What attracted you to this position? Yeah, uh, I think the the, the size uh, of the company, their, their buying power, uh, their position in the industry, really solid company, um, lots of different divisions, very well run. Um, I, I, at the time, had two offers on the table. Uh, one was for an events company here locally. Um, I, I know the owner. Uh, it, it, it's a totally different work environment. And I actually was able to speak to somebody who had worked there previously, uh, which I'm so glad I did because I got a, a bit of an eye-opening kind of inside baseball look into their company. And it was really not the work-life balance I was looking for. Um, and when you're working for, a, and I've done this you know, throughout my career, I've worked for smaller kind of mom and pop companies, there's a lot of micromanagement and, and oversight and meetings every single day. Um, she, she described these horrible meetings that, you know, from, from nine to four in the afternoon, and then you were expected to get all your work done at four in the afternoon. And if you weren't staying until, you know, 10 o'clock at night, then you were looked at as, you know, you, you weren't part of the team. So she yeah. described that. And, and so I ended up, you know, going with, uh, with the larger company, Travel Leaders. And I tell you, it has been the, the greatest blessing. It's such a, I'm working on a great team. I really um, am enjoying the work that I'm doing. It's a, you know, a, a well-known, respected name in the industry. Um, meetings are now coming back. We, we work with some very large Fortune 100 companies. So it's, um, it's, it's you know, been great. And it was a step perfectly um, in the right direction from what I had been doing, which was more on the supplier and planner procurement side as, um, as a matchmaker. And this is more true um, sales leaders and sales hunter. When you come into a new role like this, how do you structure your first 90 days? So with this role, it's been um, a slower onboarding process than I've ever been used to. And I think a lot of that has to do with COVID, that we're not all in an office sitting in a room getting a training. Um, uh, but it's been it's been great. And it's been, the, you know, my direct is, is, you know, he's like, you know what you're doing, you're an industry professional, go do it. And it's really been great to have that, um, that freedom and, um, and knock wood, I've been doing really well and deals are coming in. Um, it's, it's been great to have a, you know, a sales leader who trusts me and knows that I'm getting things done uh, and I'm able to produce and that I'm coming uh, into the position with a lot of experience and knowledge 
Um, and I think that's been really helpful um, for me because I'm not having to go back with a lot of questions. He's not really having to, to check my work or, or you know, stay on top of it. Um, you know, it's, it's, been, um, it's been great. As far as what I do for a first 90 days, structure my days, structure my calendar. I think Outlook, everybody uses Outlook, but how well are you using Outlook? If your Outlook only has appointments on it as they come in, you're probably not managing your day very effectively in Outlook. I, between Siri, I, I don't yet have a, a personal assistant, a human, uh, but I have one in my pocket and she's more reliable than, than most of the, <laughs> the personal assistants on the market. Um, really, you know, set reminders. There's no excuse to be late to a sales appointment. If you're a salesperson, if you're not on your call five minutes, seven, 10 minutes early, you're late because people do come on early. Um, and it just doesn't look good. Have your deck up and ready, be prepared, schedule out in between your calls buffers. You're going to have to go to the bathroom. You're going to have to drink some water. Um, be intelligent with your calendar. Managing your time is everything in life, but really in sales, it's, it's critical because there's so much outbound and there's so much follow-up and there's so many emails and there's all the CRM, uh, you know, that you're dealing with that if you, if you try to do a little here and a little here and a little here and go back and, and, and you're not really finishing things, it, it, you never get ahead. And so I'm a big proponent of as best I can crossing tasks off my list and structuring my day um, where it's very task oriented and it's, it's open, um, but it's structured, right? So I know in the morning I'm doing outbound sales, re, uh, all my outbound uh, calls. I'm not going to call people in the morning typically to follow up, um, you know, unless they're ex expecting a call. Um, I find I have better luck getting a hold of people. They're a bit more receptive in the afternoon because in the morning, everyone's busy. They're returning emails, unless it's uh, important, you know, anything, you know, three o'clock, and beyond, I have a lot of success. It's the end of the day. People have time for a 15 minute call. Um, as far as, you know, outbound emails, the morning is great. Everybody's checking their email, right? Everyone's attentive. Everyone's had their coffee. They're not, um, you know, after lunch, having that, <laughs> that yeah. uh, you know, wanting a nap and <laughs> sort of checking yeah. out. So yeah. it's, it's being, um, you know, being thoughtful and, and really structuring and using your, your, the tools that you have available, whether it's Outlook, whether it's Siri, whether it's an old school uh, calendar, paper calendar, you know, whatever works for you. If you don't have it written out, if you don't have it organized and on paper, um, you're not, you're not going to be as effective. Tell me about, uh, you mentioned rejection being a part of sales earlier. Um, tell me about the deal that you lost that hurt the most. Um, most was working with a very large uh, casino uh, out of out of Las Vegas and had um, a very large sponsorship opportunity that um, it was right there. It was it, everything was going perfectly, uh, and then COVID happened and all of all of the budgets got cut and it was literally right about to close, right there for signature, right when the world turned upside down. And um, that, that it, would, it would have been a home run. Um, and, you know, it happens. I still have a wonderful relationship with, with my contacts there and, and hope to do a lot of business with them in the future. Um, but it was uh, it was just a gut punch. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know? man, those are tough. 
You know, it was nothing. And, and so listen, if you do something, if you put your foot in your mouth, if, uh, you know, you, they get a hold of your price sheet or, you know, your competitor or somebody, you know, a bad review online, or, there's a lot of things that can happen. But when it's just completely out of your control and there's a, a global pandemic, <laughs> then I think a lot of people, you know, everybody, you know, felt that whether you lost your job, whether, yeah. you know, impacted your, you know, your bottom line or, you know, it was, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you leverage losses like that or you know losing those deals as a learning opportunity yeah again you don't take it personally it's so i'm i'm very confident that i could walk back in that office and and close a, a large deal when the time is right um so it's again it's persistence it's maintaining the relationship and knowing yeah it, it didn't happen then but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. And, and I've had that in, in so many different RFPs where we come in second and they really loved our presentation, but for whatever reason that they were, they knew they were going to use the incumbent ahead of time or whatever it was. Um, but then a month, two, three, four later, we'll get a call and said, Hey, we're interested in, in having you guys do this work. So a no is not always a no. Um, and gosh, I forget who, who told me, but I think the, the best piece of sale, one of the best piece of sales advice that I've been given uh, was sale, a sale doesn't begin until you've been told no. You're taking, you're an order taker. If everything's coming to you and nobody says no at all times, then that's not really sales. That, 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 that's a job, right? But you're taking orders. Um, and so getting someone who initially tells you no to then buy from you, that is sales. That is the judo that is sales and being able to ask the right questions. And well, is it really a no? Because, and, and pull that out of them. Because of course, everybody says no. No one wants to talk to the sales guy that calls on the phone, right? And, 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 and give up their money easy, right? You've got to be able to, to get past that no, professionally get past that to get to the yes. So that's been um, words that I truly believe and live by. Um, and so when I, when I get a no, um, I kind of get hungry and it's like, it's a challenge and you don't win them all. And it's not taking it personally, right? It's business. Right. No, nobody that ever said no to buying something from me did it because they thought I was a bad guy or not honest or, you know, unlikable or whatever it was. It was a budget thing. It was, they weren't ready at that time, whatever it was, I, no. you don't take it personally. Um, and on to the next, um, but staying on, you know, LinkedIn is a great tool. Um, for all the ones that said no to you, like their post, right? Not only like their post, make a comment that doesn't ask for anything that either adds to what they said, an infographics, an article, a link to an article is like, hey, I totally agree. Have you read this piece in the journal? A give, right? It's a like, a give, a like, a give. And you do that over six months that the next time you go and you go back to them, it's a different conversation. They're more receptive. You have, uh, with this new world we're living in, we're able to have a social, an online social interaction that feels like a human interaction, right? If I like your post, you got that little, uh, you know, bump of uh, serotonin, yep. uh, you know, you do that enough, it really makes an impact and it shows people. And again, it's a double-edged sword, right? Do you know how many people I get that hit me up on LinkedIn? I accept it. And I've got a sales pitch in my inbox 30 to I don't know, maybe 15 seconds later. And yeah. every one of those gets immediately like, I, I can't think of one that I was like, Oh, I really want to do business with this person. You know, yeah. uh, aside from you, aside from you, of course, 
I'll accept them just to see, all right, how long is it going to take before I get the sales pitch? You know, and yeah. it, it's, it's almost, it's funny. No. It, so what, what I found is the, the, I don't want to say the sales pitch, but when you meet those people in real life at a conference, right. Um, then it's, Oh, I, I think we're, we're connected on LinkedIn, right. You haven't, you yeah. haven't pitched them. You haven't been, uh, you know, maybe you've liked some things, maybe you haven't, but it's uh, Oh, we've got seven mutual friends and you know, so-and-so, or, you know, it, it bridges that gap. And I think you can be very strategic with it. Um, I've used LinkedIn sales navigator in the past. Um, it's, it's good. I think if you can afford it, um, there's value there. I'm not currently using it. Um, but I think LinkedIn is probably outside of CRM is the, the biggest tool that, that I use right now. Email, LinkedIn. I mean, I, I hardly pick up a phone anymore. It's, it's crazy when I, you know, what used to be a hundred percent phone driven, um, you know, occupation that then was more email is, is now, you know, zoom and email and, and DocuSign. The best advice I ever got for LinkedIn engagement was treat LinkedIn like you're at a cocktail party. You're at a cocktail party, you go up and introduce someone, you're not trying to sell them right away. You're trying to, you know, where are you from? You know, what do you, you know, oh, I noticed you, you know, you went to Ohio State or whatever. And, and you know, yeah. you start a conversation. Yeah, it's a great tool for job hunt, for job seekers and for, for finding um, staffing, definitely. I think it has become um, a leader in that space. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree completely that when you come out of the gate with a real strong sales pitch on LinkedIn, it doesn't come across right. It's not the right yeah. environment for that. Now, marketing and advertising, like, totally different story. But using using the in-mail and trying to you know get a connection with somebody to then hit them over the head. Um, and that's different than saying, hey, I see you're in this industry, would love to you know take you out to coffee sometime. It, that's different, right? Yeah. I think that is a bit more acceptable. There, there's ways to go about it that are professional. But again, you know, if you do that a week and a half after you become friends with somebody two weeks later and it's not, here's my company, here's my this, here's my that. It's like, hey, I'm gonna be in New York next week. I'd love to take you out for coffee, learn more about what you do, yeah. right? I don't wanna tell you about what I do. I wanna learn about what you do. It's a big, that's yeah. a big difference, right? Just, oh, yeah. and, and I think that that is more effective than literally, the, and you know, my, my best advice, if you're watching this and you've been doing that, you've been hitting people up on LinkedIn and sending them your, your sales, you know, uh, pitch in email right away, stop that immediately. <laughs> no. Unless it's working for you, which I can't believe that it is. No, but, um, there's no way. Just, there's I, no way. I find that that's not an effective strategy. Yeah. You mentioned CRM as your other tool that you use. CRM, do you love it or do you hate it? Gosh, I mean, it depends on the day. Some days I love to hate it. Um, some days I, 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 you know, a database is only as good as your data. Uh, a pipeline is only uh, as good as, you know, the, the leads that you're putting into it and, and the stages that you're using. Um, there's a lot of different schools of thought on CRM and I've used pretty much them all. Um, I think the best advice I've been given recently is treating your pipeline as only live real opportunities, right? Yeah. And so th they come in, you had a conversation with somebody, um, but they didn't have a specific deal sale to speak of. That's um, a contact, right? You want to market to that person, but you don't have a specific piece of business. Now you've talked to them, they have, they want to buy. That then becomes an opportunity. 
and depending on your pipeline, what stage it falls in, you want to move them through your pipeline relatively quickly for whatever you know your, your typical you know sales time frame is. Um, but at the end, they they are closed lost or closed one, and that does not mean they can't come back into your pipeline if you lose it. That another opportunity can't come back from that same client and move through to a closed one. Yep. Um, but I had years ago kept everything in a stage one and moved things back to a stage one and just had a pipeline that was full of dead wood. Yeah. Right. And so in cleaning that up and really having a highly efficient pipeline that they were running through it one way or the other, I was going to find out if it's a closed loss, get it the hell out and make room for somebody new. Um, yeah. And really streamlining my pipeline was a game change for me. Really oh, yeah. um, a totally yeah. different approach of looking at it. Um, we do that a lot with clients where I had one client where they had deals that were over three years old that have not progressed at all. And you talk to the sales guy, oh no, this, this is still, you know, it's a lead, right? It's a this lead, still needs right? to so, be in the pipeline. Yeah. So, you know, we're like, you're nuts. That's, well, no, that's great. Bring it back into the pipeline. Exactly. Ask a specific opportunity. It's a lead. Right? Still reach out and talk to them every once in a while, but that is not in the pipeline. Right. Yeah. So marketing, market you to said. your contacts. Yeah, right? exactly. You can market to your to your deals as well and even different marketing messages. Yeah. Uh, but but having that and, and as a sales guy, that's tough to do. Right. We don't want to move things to close lost. We don't want our pipeline right. that had 100 deals in it now to only have really the 15 that, that are, are real and yeah. we're having real conversation with because that, that looks a little different. Than, oh, I've got 100 deals in my pipeline. Right. But oh, you yeah. don't. And I think being honest with yourself and taking a genuine look at all right, what's yeah. real. If I haven't had a real conversation with these people, if, if they're not responding to my email, if I haven't talked to this person in, yeah. in three weeks or a month, Close lost. You know what? If he calls me tomorrow, great. New opportunity. Same guy, same everything. It yeah. starts on a fresh date. That was instrumental. It's so much easier to manage visually yeah. 20 or 30 prospects and really effectively communicate with them. Uh, everything we talked about, you know, like their posts on LinkedIn, send them yeah. an email, follow up, all the marketing that goes along with it. Um, then if you've got a hundred things sitting in your pipeline, it just becomes a bit overwhelming. No, it is. And, and what we, we convinced that group is, hey, we're going to close stale, but we're going to close it. And then we're going to leverage CRM to send you a reminder that says, hey, follow up with this contact in three months. So you're not losing visibility. It's still there, but it's not in our pipeline, distorting our forecast and, and making us think like we've got a hundred million dollar pipeline. In reality, you got more like that's a $10 million pipeline. That's it. Right. And that's the, that's the beauty of the CRM is when you use it correctly, you can really dial in your forecasting. Um, you can, you can be organized um, with your sales outreach, with all of your tasks, your follow-up, your reminders. Um, it's, it's a tool, right? It's, it's, if you use it to effectively, it, it can do a lot of great things. Um, if, if you don't, right, I've got, um, you know, I'm dealing right now where there's a lot of contacts that don't have any email in it, or they're a couple of years old. And, and I'm dealing right now with a big cleanup project. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's frustrating when you're coming into something new. And, and again, your database is only as good as your data. hundred percent um, agree. That's the foundation of everything. And that's always like, if you're dealing with CRM or you're coming into a new situation with CRM, Focus on your data first, get that squared away. Because if your data can't be trusted, 
Nothing else matters. That's it. You got to get your data squared away first. And if you're starting out uh, or if you're junior or or a new business owner, um, know that going in, that it's so much easier to do it right the first time than to start untangling a bunch of spider webs and and having all this corrupt data or or incomplete data. Um, You know, I think it's important to really give it some thought. Um, You know, what's your end goal? What are the true metrics you're trying to capture, um, both for financials as well as customer profiles? Um, What funnels are are you looking to set up, um, you know, for tracking your, your advertising? what, um, you know, what different drip campaigns. And so I think there's a lot of, uh, of great tools that CRM provides, uh, providing you use them correctly, right? Oh, yeah. And, you know, I've worked with wonderful marketing directors who really knew how to structure campaigns um, that were just very high level drip campaigns based on what you clicked, you got different and doing A-B testing and really figuring out what works. And I've worked for marketing directors who had no idea and it was kind of, you know, rudimentary marketing, not tied to the CRM. And, um, you know, obviously as, as much as you can integrate your, your marketing channels within to your CRM to, to keep tabs on that, um, I've found that to be very useful. Yeah. Well, Paul, we're at our time here on, on this episode of Sales Lead Dog. I really appreciate you coming on the show. If people want to reach out and connect with you, learn more about you and, 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 and your company, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I, I would say LinkedIn, uh, Paul Steinmetz on LinkedIn with Travel Leaders Corporate. Um, and then I'm happy to, to reach out. And um, again, you know, for anyone who has any, any meetings, events, or, or group travel, I'm certainly here to help, or, or if you just have any sales questions uh, or looking for some advice, uh, my door is always open. That's awesome. And we'll have that contact info in our show notes. Be sure to check that out. Paul, thank you for coming on Sales Lead Dog. Thanks, Chris. It was a pleasure chatting with you. As we end this discussion on Sales Lead Dog, be sure to subscribe to catch all our episodes. On social media, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Watch the videos on YouTube, and you can also find our episodes on our website at impellercrm.com forward slash sales lead dog. Sales lead dog is supported by Impeller CRM, delivering objectively better CRM for business, guaranteed.